Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. John chapter 11. And let's pray. Father, I just pray right now for everybody who is listening to this message that you would just glorify your name, that you would show us truths here that we need to know where we are at this point in our lives. And we just ask this in your precious name. Amen. All righty. Hope everybody's doing awesome today. There was a bagpiper who played many gigs. Recently, he was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service of a homeless man. He had no family or friends, and the service was going to be held at a pauper cemetery in the backwoods of a Kentucky countryside. As he traveled, he got lost. He arrived about an hour late, and the funeral guide had gone. The hearse was nowhere in sight, and the diggers and the cemetery crew were the only ones there, and they were eating lunch. He went over to the man and apologized for being late, and then he went over to the grave. And he looked down. The vault was already in place. He did not know what to do, so he started playing his bagpipes. The workers put down their lunch, started gathering around as he played out his heart and soul for this man who had no family or friends in attendance. He started playing Amazing Grace. The workers wept. He wept. They all wept together. When he finished, he packed up his bagpipes and started walking to his car. His head held low, but his heart full. As he opened the door to his car, he heard one of the workers say to another, I have never seen anything like that before, and I have been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. Knowing where you are, today's title of the message. I don't know how those things happen. The title of today's message is Wanted, Dead or Alive. And we're going to look at chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. Verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Today, we come in here, all different people, all different personalities, different things going on in our life, good things, bad things, things that we don't even think about. And here was a certain man. We're going to know his name. You know his name is Lazarus. Jesus, you're that certain man. You're that certain woman. You're that certain boy or girl or teenager. He knows you by name. And we're all sick, aren't we, somehow? We could be physically sick. We could have some mental things going on. We could be feeble. We could feel without any strength. We could feel powerless. 
Well, I have some great news for everybody today. Lazarus, his name means whom God helps. And our God is a God that wants to help. He wants to come into your life. He wants to impact your life. Now, the place that Lazarus and his two sisters that we're going to look at today lived was Bethany. Now, Bethany, the name Bethany means house of dates or house of misery. Now, I guess if you don't like dates, you're in misery. But dates are pretty good. You know, it's a nice uh, food. So why the contrast between the house of dates and the house of misery for the name Bethany? And I think that applies to all of us. I think we have sweet times in our lives. Good times, right? We also have times that are hard, that are miserable. And that's life on this earth. Because of the fall, because of man's sin, you know, we have a sin nature and this world is corrupt. We know that. The the town that uh, Mary lived in and the town that Mary's sister Martha and Lazarus This Bethany. This was known also as the town of Mary. Imagine that. That your town was associated with your name. That you had such an influence in your area that the town would be connected to you. Well, Mary and Martha, both of their names mean rebellion. They were rebellious. Can anybody identify? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? We can all identify with rebellion. Well, in this, in this particular passage that we're going to look at, let's take a look at verses 2 through 6. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Well, we can identify with being rebellious. We can also think how nice it would be that we would always give Jesus our best. We can also see in these passages, two through six, that there was a communication between Mary and Martha and Laz- well, Mary and Martha and Jesus. They went to him when they saw there was a problem. We need to go to Christ. When we have anything, whether it's good or bad, on our heart. He wants that open line of communication. And the cool thing is, Jesus hears. Jesus listens. Is that crazy? He hears us. We don't need any technology to communicate with our God. That is fabulous. Now, one of the things that jumps out at me in this verse, and maybe you too, is verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick... He stayed two more days in the place where he was, referring to Jesus. Now, if I call you up and I have somebody that's sick or I have an emergency, I'm hoping you come right away, right? But isn't it interesting here in verse 6 
that Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. I think one of the things as we grow older, we start understanding that our timing is not the same as God's timing. And that his delays are sometimes divine delays. Or I should put it in another way. His delays are divine delays. What is it you're waiting on? What is it that you're going through that seems, but boy, I don't even know if God is listening to what I'm going through. Does he even care? You can't see what you're in right now. You have to see through it. It's important to see through it. That God is in control. Let's take a look at verses 7 to 11. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Well, Judea, one of the words, one of the meanings of that word Judea is praise. So let me ask you and me this question right now. When we go through things, good or bad, or indifferent, how is our praise barometer or meter? How is our praise meter? Do we only praise him when things are going okay or when things are really bad? Or do we forget about him when we're going through some troubles? Today's society says God is dead. God is dead. We see it in our school systems, in our universities. The Antichrist agenda. In John chapter 10 verse 18. We see one of the things that we can connect. To the apostle who said Jesus you know. They're after you. You're going back to Judea again. And I think of John ten eighteen, where it says no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Isn't it awesome that Jesus, what he decides, it isn't dependent on any man or woman or government, that he has the power He had the power to lay down his life. He had the power to raise it up again. And he received that power from his dad, from his father. Proverbs 20.20 says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Isaiah 9.2, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Today, 
for any of us, are we going through that valley of the shadow of death? And you have to see that just like in the Psalms, we go through the valley. We don't go around it. We don't fly over it. We don't go under it. We go through it. And it's through these experiences that we go through that we find a living God connected to living people in living situations that are sometimes miserable. And this is a time we need to look to praise Him. To look to Him, to communicate to Him. In Ephesians 5.13 it says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, He says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. How much of that light is reflected in and through you? You know when you find out how much light you have? It's the ratio to the darkness that you're in. What you're going through shows how much light is in that area. Let's go to verses 12 through 15. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Back, I think, with the beginning of the summer, I did a uh, teaching on biblical illiteracy. And how we all can never get too much of God's word. God's word is always shining light on us, on the parts of our existence as we walk through this life. When we don't know God's word, we're illiterate to the things that he wants to show us through the daily things that we go through. So a biblical understanding we see even with Jesus' men that hung with him for three years. They didn't get What he was saying that Lazarus was dead. He wasn't sleeping. But what's cool, if you're a believer here today, you know and I know that as what the world calls death, we call sleep. And just like you went to bed last night and woke up this morning, I look at that as a former coach, you're practicing. We're practicing. Going to sleep and waking up. And one day we're going to wake up in the presence of God. But you know what's so awesome? It's in a blink, in the twinkling of an eye. Like I never lose sight of you in here right now, even when I'm blinking. It's so fast that when we go to sleep, this body goes to sleep, we'll be waking up in the presence of the Lord. That's huge. We're not going to know any of that, those things that the world talks about. Because we have a biblical understanding. 
Now, Jesus is the only person who came to die. No one, none of us, were supposed to ever die. But because of sin in the world, death came into the world. But God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. That whoever, that individual, whoever believes in what Jesus did on the cross for the sins, their sins, would not perish but have everlasting life. But Jesus is the only one who came to die. Now, there's a difference between the absence and the presence of Jesus. These people back here were experiencing the death of Lazarus, a friend. Mary and Martha, their brother. But not everybody was a believer in God. Just like today, people don't believe in God. Or they're not sure. They don't know what's on the other side of the grave. But there is a big difference between the absence of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. If you're a believer here today, you know that firsthand, right? You know it. You know what you were like when Jesus was not in your life. You know what it's like now with Jesus in your life. You know what it's like now when you don't spend time with the Lord, even though you're a believer of Jesus, you're a son and daughter of the King, but you don't spend that quality time with God. You don't have time. You're rushing around the rat race of life. And you know that effect in your life when you're not spending that time with the Lord. Well, they were going through the same things back here in this day. Let's jump to, um, you don't have to turn to it, it's, it should be up there, yep. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, this one apostle who was worried about Jesus going back to Judea was Thomas. And a lot of you know Thomas. After Jesus rose from the dead, remember he wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared. He was there a week later, and we know him as Doubting Thomas. You know, but Thomas is a a pretty neat guy. Um, Some of the things that he said are up there. You know, he's the fellow who said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? That was a question that Thomas threw to Jesus. And that's where we get that reply by Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And then we see that Thomas was also called the twin. But you never know who the other twin is. You don't know the name of the other twin. So one of the things is maybe you and I are that twin. That we can identify with Thomas. You know, we we have our doubts. 
You know, we have our concerns, our fears. We might have been the guy who said to Jesus, Jesus, you're going back to Judea? They're trying to kill you. Why are you going back there? But remember, Jesus had a purpose. Jesus knew what he was doing. Thomas was also the fellow who said, um, that he wanted to reach in to the side of Jesus and put his hand in the nail marks of Jesus because he doubted. And he's also the one who made the proclamation a week later in that room when he saw the risen Christ, my Lord and my God. What a moment. What a time. And Jesus replied to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Let's go to verses 17 through 24. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Interesting, isn't it, that there was a four-day delay. Remember early in the passage? Jesus delayed two more days. What the heck was that? Jesus, I need you here now. Right now. You see what's going on? But there was a delay. Why? Why was there such a delay? Well, the Talmud is like our commentaries today. Different rabbis would write down different things. And, and they believed that in the first three days that a person died, there was their spirit that hovered over the body. And that the spirit could go back in to the dead person if God allowed it. But after three days, decomposition set in, decay set in. Now remember, this is not... Out of the scriptures, this is out of their commentaries, out of the Jewish commentaries. So this is what they believe. But you have to understand the culture that Jesus was trying to reach. He knew the things that they believed. So when the fourth day came, only a Messiah, only God himself could raise somebody in that state. A four-day delay. Are you and I going through a four-day delay? Four-week delay? Four-year delay? Forty-year delay? What is it that's being delayed in your life that you're waiting on the Lord for? Now, they said the distance was only a couple miles that we just read. And you know what? A couple miles is pretty far if you're walking it. If you have a car, it's better. If you have a helicopter, it's even quicker. 
And if Peter and I had a bungee cord, we shoot right over there. That'd be fun. But you know, the distance depends on the deliverer, doesn't it? The vehicle taking you, that's, that's how the distance is if it's big or small. We see comforters here. There were comforters that came alongside. And I call those people foxhole saints. Do you know any foxhole saints? Anybody? Do you know anybody that's in your life or people in your life that when it's tough, things aren't going the right way, things are miserable, they're right there? You want to have foxhole saints in your life. That's important for us all. We all need it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Luke 10, 42 says, But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary is a different type of personality than Martha. Maybe you can identify with Mary. Mary loved to have Jesus over their house. And when Jesus came over their house, Mary would just sit at his feet, just look up into his face, just worship him, listen to, hang on every word. Well, you might be that kind of past, not just hanging back person, just loves to be in the presence of Jesus, and that's awesome. But then we have Martha, her sister. And in Luke 10, 40 to 41, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. Anybody identify? And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Anybody here easily distracted? Worried about things all the time. Troubled about things. See some heads shaking up and down. Maybe we're a cross between Mary and Martha, huh? We have a little bit of all of them in our personalities. That doesn't surprise the Lord, you know. He made you that way. He blessed you that way. You're precious in his sight. The certain personalities in this story, in this church, in your lives. Do you know anybody that says just what they think? There's no filter? (laughs) Oh, hit a couple nerves there, okay. One of the things that was cool in this passage is Martha knew that in the end times, there was going to be the resurrection. And she had confidence in God and his promises. So let me ask you this this morning, where we are in life's journey today. Do you have a promise of God that you hold on to? Do you have a promise of God that hasn't been fulfilled yet? Maybe you're not a believer here and you really don't know the promises of God. Or maybe you're a new believer and you're not familiar with all the different things that God promises to his children. 
about two weeks ago, uh, for some of you know, I used to coach basketball, and I had a young guy, Jackie, who, 56 years old, he was one of my point guards on one of my basketball teams. We made it to the semifinals of the sectionals one year, his senior year. He uh, died of a heart attack, just like that. But the wild thing was that same day, three students, same class, all had heart attacks. Now, we're just a little school. We're not like Monroe where you have 3,000 kids. or South Brunswick. We have like 320 kids, 7th through 12th grade. Three guys, all the same age, had heart attacks. Two passed and one lived. And the one that lived came to the service for the basketball player. The passage that I used that day came from John chapter 11. And it's one of the greatest chapters in the scriptures that's used throughout the world for the death and resurrection of Christ, but also for the death and resurrection of people that are near and dear to us. Notice Martha's answer. And and again, is this our answer? If somebody asked us today, who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? Could you reply, he's my Lord? He's Christ. Now, Christ is the Messiah that was forecast throughout the scriptures. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about the birth, life, death of Jesus Christ. And you know what? There's more about his second coming, there was about his first coming. Can you say that he's God's son? That he's part of that Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now what's cool with Martha, she was very extroverted. She, she ran out to meet Jesus. She went out there. Mary was, remember, sitting at home. You know what? Depend on your personality. It doesn't matter. God loves you and will use you regardless of the type of personality you are. Whether you tell and share the love of God with one person or a thousand people, doesn't matter. He knows. He knows how you're wired. Whether you share secretly or openly, whether you're a prayer closet warrior or you like to go out on a street corner. Pastor Joe, I guess a week or so ago, talked about the different gifts that are in the body of Christ. That we're all not the foot, the nose, the ear, the eye. We all have different gifts. And as we work together, boy, what a team that is. As we come as a unit to glorify our God. Now, I want to tell you this today. Remember, the title of the message is Wanted, Dead or Alive. You are wanted. You are wanted. By a living, risen Savior. He's calling you by name. He is certain of his calling. You are not a mistake. You are a potential child of the living God. 
And if you've accepted him into your heart, you are a child of the living God. He is calling you. But the great thing is, as you hear this, you have a response. What is your response to this calling? It's not forced on you. It's sent to you through the greatest act of love that was ever demonstrated on this planet or will ever be demonstrated. By the crucified Christ going to the cross to pay your penalty that you cannot pay. To erase your sins that you cannot erase. Only done by the precious blood of the innocent, perfect, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. New life calls you. Jesus calls you. You're wanted by Him. Jesus is always present. He will be present throughout eternity. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We see in the passage, verse 35. Why don't we pick up where I left off and we'll get to 35. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus wept. He wept over Lazarus. There's another passage where he wept wept over uh, Jerusalem. In both instances, there were two eternal outcomes at stake. Mary, Martha, Lazarus had eternal life. They believed in Jesus. Most of the people in Jerusalem did not believe and they did not have eternal life. The same is true today. Today. 
The same is true, possibly right here in this church this morning. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do I believe this? Is this part of my walk as I stand here this morning? 2 Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Are you in a circumstance this morning that you can't see out of? You can't figure it out? Join the club. We don't have all the answers. God does. In his revealed time. Are you in dead circumstances? Does it stink? Something that you're going through? As we go to the last several verses, let's see what God is trying to teach us right now at this point of history, at this point of time in our lives. Picking up in verse 37. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Verse 42, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this. You know, all the years that some of you and I have gone to church and the Bible is opened and the word is read from the scripture. Understand this is God's love that every time we hear his words, he's trying to reach another person. That hasn't heard, that hasn't caught it, 
that doesn't see it. And what is that message that they may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the whole world? We see in these last few verses, Jesus asked them to take away the stone. Now, in just a week's time, Jesus was going to be on the other side of that stone. Yet he showed the world that he was the Messiah because he raised a dead man after four days. When nobody thought that anybody but God could do it. It was a messianic miracle. But in a short amount of time, the Messiah was going to step out of a grave. God hears our prayers. If you're a believer in Jesus, God hears your prayers. There used to be a magnet back in the 70s. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Sounds good. But then I saw one like a decade later that put it in priority. God said it. That settles it. Whether I believe it or not. Big difference, right? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, there is a prayer he will listen to. And that is a prayer where you ask repentance for your sins. And ask him to be your God, your Savior, your Messiah, the Christ. He'll hear that prayer. He'll answer that right away. Bible says, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart like they did in the rebellion in the desert with all the two million and a half Jews that Moses was leading out. But remember Mary and Martha's name tied with rebellion. That's you and I. That's the lot of man. We're rebellious. The Lord had people that day that believed in him because of what he did. He knows your name and he wants to help. Two things as we close. And I just want to show you a quick uh, clip to tie this all together. Notice when Lazarus Whom God helps. Remember, that's his name. Whom God helps. God wants to help all of us today and every day. When he came out of the tomb, he still had his grave clothes on. He still had stuff wrapped around him. And remember what we see here that Jesus said in verse 44. Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. 
Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ for a day or a hundred years, are you still wearing your grave clothes? Are you still holding on to those things that Jesus has cleansed you from, have forgiven you from, that bind you up? Are you still holding on to it? He wants to set you free. He wants to loose you from the past. Today is a new day. His mercy is new every morning. He wants to free you. He wants to loose you from those things. If you're not a believer here today, will you ever hear the gospel presentation again? My guard, Jackie, will not. Jackie will not. His wife will. His kids will. So as we're faced with these decisions... Are you ready to believe? And John 8.36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I want to close with a clip from on site in Israel. So if we could run that clip, Tobin, please. And we're here on location, actually in the city of Bethany, this is the older part of Bethany. The newer section is just over off here to our side. Come on down with us. We're actually going to walk now down into the original tomb of Lazarus. And as we walk, we're going to talk and share with you the story and how it unfolded. Now, here we are actually inside the tomb of Lazarus. And I can't express to you, I can't get across by video, the overwhelming feeling of being in this place. To know that the body of Lazarus lay here, and for four days there was an awaiting period. What would happen? What would go on next? And so Jesus comes and he begins to pray. And he calls out, the Bible says, in a loud voice. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now that is an incredible cry, because they say, who do you think you are? The Messiah? You think you're God? Only God can raise the dead after the third day, on the fourth day. And he comes and he does what is unthinkable. They expect him to come and mourn, but yet instead he begins to pray. And you all know what happens. He prays and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I now know why he had to ask more than once, because it's a bit of a climb to go up here through these tunnels. You have to come here yourself and experience it to really get the full, the full picture. And so as Lazarus is resurrected and gets up to the front, and the people see him standing there. And I love what the King James says. It says, Jesus, you're going to pray? He's been in the grave four days. Behold, he stinketh. You know? I mean, he is dead. There's no way. Only a miracle. Only the Messiah could do such a thing. If I could have the praise team come on up. Now... Do you need help? If you're here today and you don't know Christ is your Savior, do you need help? What a picture that was, huh? Climbing those stairs. It's like we were climbing that stair. We were like Lazarus coming up from the tomb. I'm going to ask the praise team, to the worship team to play. And if, if you're here today and you want to start that walk with Jesus... If you want to repent of your sins and start a new life, a resurrected life with Jesus Christ, we just ask you to come forward and we're going to pray with you. 
that would be an awesome thing. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.